Welcome to Outreach Church. Thanks for checking out this week's message. To hear more, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or visit outreachchurch.net for downloads and service information. Amen. Um, for the, for just stay right there because I, I couldn't stop thinking about this during worship, that there's times in life where, where we're looking to Jesus and we're saying, if it's really you, bid me to come. And he says, come, but it still requires us to take a step and actually to start walking towards him. But then there's those times where it's dark and we stink and we're covered in grave clothes and, and, and we're not even thinking. Like Lazarus is dead. It smells in the tomb. There's grave clothes covering him. And that same voice that Peter responded to came to Lazarus. And he said, Lazarus, come. But in that moment, I believe Lazarus had to choose, just like Peter did, to take a step and actually respond to the voice of Jesus. Even though he could smell, even though what he saw, every, he was dead. He knew he had died. He was, he was surrounded by darkness. He was covered in grave clothes. He stunk. He probably didn't feel the greatest in that moment. And I'm just, I feel like there's people here who have been saying, Lord, if it's you, and, and he's saying, come. But I also feel like there's people here, and the last thing you're expecting right now is to hear Jesus' voice speak to you because of the situation you found yourself in. And to you, he's saying, come. But you have to step. You have to step. You have to hate where you are enough that you say, I have to get to Jesus. I don't know who it is, and I don't know what it is that's got you bound. I don't know what it is that's causing the stench, the smell of death. I don't know what it is that's got you in a dark place where there's no light, but Jesus is standing there, and the light has come, and he's saying, come. But you have to step. You have to step. You have to step. It's the same faith that Peter had that caused him to walk on the water that will cause you to walk out of that dark and disgusting place and come out into the light. It's not, he's not going to do it for you. Like he makes the way and he gives the grace. The grace is there because he's calling you, but you have to respond and step. I don't know who it is. Is there anyone here who feels like that's you? Like you weren't asking him to call you, but he's calling you right now. And you know it's you. Is there anyone? Because I want to pray for you. Because, yeah, is there anybody else? Because there's grace. Like the, like the grace is there to do exactly what he called you to do. When he said to come, the grace is there for you to come. Would you come up here and let us pray with you and agree with you? And see the grave clothes just get unwound. Just line across the front. Thank you for being bold and stepping. Prayer team and, and believers, would you just lay hands on, on these people that are standing here? I'm just telling you, like, there's nothing the fire of God can't consume if you would just put it on the altar and surrender it to him. Like, there, there, there is so much freedom available to you in him. Like, not just to step out of that place, but to never go back there ever to believe that today it's crushed and like things that were dead and stunk and rotten and that the world is saying what are you doing it's too late there's a thousand voices screaming there's a thousand voices wailing there's a thousand voices declaring death but there's one man Jesus 
And that's the only voice that matters. And he's saying, step out and come into the light. And we want to be those who would help to unwind the grave clothes and to brush off the smell of death and to declare that you are who he says that you are. So Jesus, in your mighty name right now, not because of who we are, but because of who you are, because of your power and your authority, would you just bring life right now to anything that was dead? Would the darkness be pierced by light? And would every one of these that are standing here feel what it's like to respond to your voice and for death to be transformed into life and for the smell of death to be gone and the sweet perfume of the aroma of heaven to fill their nostrils and for freedom to come? Jesus, you rolled the stone away and you called into the grave. Would you just roll that stone back in place so that there's no returning? Would you just roll that stone back in place so there's no returning ever to that place? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God, we thank you for freedom. We thank you, God, for life in you, abundant life, God. We thank you that there is nothing that the fire of God will not consume. God, would you help us to just continually be before your feet and that we would never return to that place. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we just thank him? Can we just thank him that he's, he's still the Jesus that stands in the place and rolls the stone away and speaks into the darkness and the light comes. And, but I'm telling you, listen, every, I think so many people are waiting for him to come and like with a puppet string walk them out. That's not the way it works. Like he didn't grab Peter's body and consume it and make him step out onto the water. He spoke the word. He gave the grace. Everything that was necessary for Peter to do what he had asked was there. But it still took Peter actually stepping. When he spoke into the grave to Lazarus, everything necessary for Lazarus to walk out of that grave alive was there in the voice of Jesus and in the presence of Jesus. But it still required Lazarus, despite everything that he saw and felt and knew, and despite a thousand voices crying death, to believe the one voice that said, no, there's life. You come. And when he came, everything changed. Everything changed. He is the God who brings the dead to life. Oh. I'm telling you, like, he just wants to consume it, whatever it is. Just put it on the altar and let him consume it. It doesn't matter. <laughs> like, I, Elijah was like, go ahead, do your best to stop him. Wet it. Douse it. Like, the world does its best to try to stop the fire of God. It pours water on your wood. It covers, it builds a trench and it pours water on the wood and, and everything looks like it can't happen. All it takes is one person saying, none of that matters because God will come. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It could be years. It could be a lifetime. 
None of that matters when that voice comes. None of it. Who will stop the Lord? Though the mountains tremble and be cast into the sea. Jesus. He's so good and so loving and so kind, and he just so wants to be the voice that you listen to and respond to. That's all he's ever wanted. That's it. That's all he ever wanted. He walks into the garden, and man's not there, and, he, and, and God says, where are you? In other words, you're not where you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be here with me, hearing my voice, letting my voice be the thing that you're listening to. Where are you? Listen, I'm telling you, like, I feel like the Lord wants to say that to some people this morning. Where are you? Not because he's confused and lost. Because you are. You've lost your way. You've listened to another voice. And confusion's come. But he's speaking. And all it takes is saying, wait a minute. I hear that voice. I know that voice. And then it takes just taking that step and saying, okay, it doesn't matter that right now I'm bound in grave clothes. It doesn't matter that right now my body smells. It doesn't matter that right now everyone is saying it can't. It doesn't matter right now that there is nothing else that makes me believe because I have the one thing I need to believe, and that's he has spoke. He's called my name. Light has come. Pierce the darkness. Now I'm going to step into it. And then you just keep stepping You just keep stepping. You just keep walking. You just don't go back. I mean, I'm telling you, like, it's not just like a mind over matter, white knuckles. It's a listen to the voice and follow the voice and know that, like, the grace is there for everything that he's declared. It doesn't matter what a thousand voices are saying. The one voice that matters speaks a better word. And he said, come, come be where I am. Come out of there and stay out of there. I have no intention of you going back in that place. Lazarus didn't just live for a day and go back to the grave and and die again. It wasn't like a momentary victory and then back into that grave. I'm telling you, there's always going to be a temptation to go back to that dark place. Why? Because sometimes it's more comfortable there. Sometimes it's easier to just sit in the dark be covered in graves, grave clothes, and stink. As nasty as that sounds, sometimes it's more comfortable there because it's become something we know and understand. And it's a little bit scary to step out. I'm telling you, just keep stepping. Like, you're as free in this moment right now as you will ever be for the rest of your life. Right now. Why? Because your heart is responding to the voice of Jesus and you've stepped out of that place and into the light. You are right this second as free as you will ever be. There is no, you do not need some amazing angelic encounter to come and change everything. He came and changed everything already and your heart is as free right now. It is. Your heart is as free right now as it will ever be. Now you just stay in that freedom. And anything that would speak the opposite, anything that would call you back into that place, you recognize it as a voice of the stranger. It's a lie. It's not the truth. Because we know the voice of truth. We know the voice of Jesus. He said, my sheep hear my voice, and they know my voice. It's hearing and knowing his voice that makes the second part possible, which is, and the voice of a stranger, they just won't follow. 
Why won't we follow that voice? Because we know his. And he's called you out. And I'm telling you, in this moment right now, you are as free as you will ever be. That's what Paul was saying to the church. He says, it was for freedom that you were set free. It wasn't for a momentary victory so that you could have a story to tell of who God was in your life. It was for freedom so you could live in that victory and declare who he is for the rest of your life. That's why you were set free. He says, why then would you subject yourself once again to the bondage of, this, of slavery of sin? He's saying, listen, you have to choose to go back there. Why would you? Anything that would call you away from Jesus is bondage into slavery. And listen, I promise you, if you don't take the first step back to the grave, you'll never end up back in the grave. You'll never end up back in the back of the grave where you were. If you continue to just follow Jesus, and anytime you would be tempted to take a step back, remember where you came from and remember what he's called you into and then choose in spite of what you feel or whatever is going on or what people are saying. or no, It doesn't matter what is happening. In every moment, just choose Jesus. You'll become so addicted to freedom. <laughs> You'll become so addicted to being free that you will never again entertain the thought this is why Paul could say that. Why? Because he was addicted to freedom. He was addicted to it. And so he, like, he wasn't saying to them like, in a ridiculing way. Why would, you think about, why would you think about going back there? He wasn't ridiculing them. He wasn't putting them down. He wasn't mocking them or making fun of them. He was speaking from a place of, you guys must not have what I have. Because <laughs> if you did, you wouldn't be going back there. Jesus, Jesus, it is, it's like you, you wake up in the morning and he's there and you go to sleep at night and he's there and every moment throughout the day he's there and I'm telling you there is nothing better than living with a clean conscience, clear eyed, knowing there's nothing to hide, there's nothing hidden, not that I've been perfect but that he was perfect on my behalf and I've been invited into that perfection, I live in that perfection. And then I realized, like, I can actually live this way every day. Every day. That's why Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. What was he saying? Just worry about today. You'll get overwhelmed thinking about tomorrow. You'll get overwhelmed thinking about years and decades of trying to live. You're not trying to live that way for decades. You're living today in love with Jesus. And today in love with Jesus turns into tomorrow in love with Jesus. And tomorrow in love with Jesus turns into the next day. And then pretty soon you've lived a life of every single day choosing him and falling more in love with him. That's what it is to follow Jesus. He's leading you to green pastures, still waters. And every now and then you have to walk through a valley. But you're just walking through. You're not going to pitch your tent there. You're not going to stay there. You're just walking through it. And he's with you anyways. So suddenly the valley that was in the shadow no longer becomes a shadow because the light is there. How could there be a shadow when he is the light? And all of a sudden the place that used to be the darkest place that you had to walk through just becomes a hallway full of light because he's there. And if there's a shadow, I love this. I heard a worship leader singing, just, she was prophetically singing. She said, I'm starting to see that the darkness surrounding me is just the shadow of your wings. Wow. 
Like if you ever feel darkness around you, it's just the shadow of his wing that he promised to call you into and draw you up into. So even in that, there's no fear. I'm telling you that it's there. Like the grace is there. The strength is there. This isn't some like hype up. This is let the weak say I am strong. Amen. You realize like, like the Lord commanded people to do that? In Joel 3, I, I, was, I was reading this during worship. Right, let me go back to it. I, I was reading. I just couldn't get, I, I kept thinking of different scriptures and reading them. And, um, but, but in Joel chapter 3, um, in verse 10, if we have that, can we put it up on the screen? Because I want everyone to see it. Joel, verse 3, chapter 10, I mean, chapter 3, verse 10. In the NASB, um, God is speaking to his people, and this is what he says. He says, um, proclaim this in verse 9. Proclaim this among the nations. Prepare a war. Rouse the mighty men. And see, we hear that and we disqualify ourselves because of something we know about ourselves that we think contradicts us being qualified as a mighty man. See, this is what happens. The enemy plays with your mind. He plays with your head. He plays tricks and, and, he, and he tries to convince you that when you, even when you would hear this. Go, go back to verse 9 real quick um, and, and then we'll get to verse 10. Sorry, Crystal. Thank you for, for keeping up. But um, this is what he says in verse, in verse 9. He says, proclaim this among the nations. This is the Lord speaking. Proclaim this among the nations. Prepare a war. Rouse the mighty men. And we hear that and we're like, well, that's not me. That's Zach. Hey, first thought. <laughs> you know, that's Ben. That's Curtis. That's Tom. That's not me. Let all the soldiers draw near. Let them come up. And we think, I'm not, I'm not a soldier, I'm a farmer. I'm not a pastor. I'm a teacher. I'm a mechanic. I'm a framer. I'm an engineer. See, we hear the voice of the Lord, and if we're not careful, we start to disqualify it from being about us because of what we know about us, rather than letting what he's saying qualify us because we believe he knows something that we don't. So look what he says. It's almost as if he knew that was going to happen. He says, get the mighty men and get all the soldiers. And right away, everybody in Israel is thinking to themselves, I'm not a mighty man and I'm not a soldier. So he says this, beat your plowshares into swords. All of a sudden, you're no longer a farmer. Why? Because a farmer doesn't need a sword. A soldier does. Let the weak say, I am a mighty man. <laughs> it's like, listen, tell those, the mighty men and the soldiers, arouse them and it's time for war and it's like the lord knows by me saying the mighty men and the soldiers most of israel is going to disqualify themselves and say i'm not a soldier and i'm not a mighty man so then he speaks and he says oh to the farmer you know that plow take that beat that into a sword and guess what you are now you're a soldier <laughs> to the weak 
say I'm a mighty man. Why? Because I said you're a mighty man. You should start believing it, and you should say you're a mighty man. That, people will come against this stuff when you say that. Like, be, oh, that's, you know, it's word of faith, or it's, you know, it's, oh, that's denial. Like, God wants us to live in denial of anything that contradicts his word. So if he says, let the weak say I am a mighty man, guess what the weak becomes when he says what God said? He becomes a mighty man. He's no longer weak. Why? Because he heard the voice of truth and he aligned himself with what God was saying rather than what he was feeling or what he had known or even what was true a moment ago. Like you were a weak man until you actually aligned yourself with truth and the words of God's mouth became the words of your mouth. That the weak say, I'm a mighty man. I'm telling, I, I don't know what, I, I don't know. I'm just saying like, it's there, and he wants us to step into it. That's what living by faith is. Living by faith is saying, this is what I thought, but then I heard him speak. It's Peter saying, it's impossible to step onto water. But I see a man standing on the water. And all of a sudden, because I see Jesus doing something, I start to wonder if maybe I could do that. That sounds blasphemous unless he says, follow me. Unless he said, the things I do, you'll do. All of a sudden, that's no longer blasphemy. That's faith. Faith always sounds like blasphemy to the people who haven't heard his voice. It does. Faith sounds blasphemous to the people who haven't heard his voice. Why? Because unless he says it, it is blasphemous. But once he says it, now it's truth. So when he said, the things I'll do, you'll do in greater things, all of a sudden, it's no longer blasphemy. It's truth. And truth always carries the power to perform itself if we would step into alignment with it. I was a weak man, and then I heard him speak, and he said to say that I'm a mighty man. Now I have a choice. See, we're waiting for God to come and make us a mighty man before we'll say, I'm a mighty man. And God's saying it doesn't work like that. Like, stop. We're waiting for God to grab our body and walk us out of the grave and say, come alive before we come alive. It doesn't work like that. He's standing outside the place of darkness, speaking into the darkness. He opens the, the tomb, and the light pierces. And can you imagine being in the back of that grave? When all of a sudden the, light, the, the stone gets rolled away and light, the first little crack of light pierces like a blade piercing the darkness. And all of a sudden what once was dark, now there's a crack of light that's piercing and it's getting brighter and brighter and brighter because the man Jesus is removing the thing that's keeping you from living in the light. And then, if that wasn't enough, he speaks to that place. Why do you speak to a dead man? Well, he must know something that the dead man doesn't. Because if he's really dead, you're wasting your time. If you really can't, he's wasting his time. If you can't do the things that he did, if you can't live the life that he lived, then he's wasting his time by speaking and saying, follow me. The way that I live, you're going to live. The things that I did, you're going to do. You're going to be holy because I am holy and you're in me and nothing unholy can be in me. That must mean you're something that you don't know. And you're sitting around waiting to feel holy in order to act holy. It doesn't work that way. Your feelings will scream in a thousand different directions, and there's one voice speaking truth. And you say, that's the voice I'm going to listen to and follow. You, I guarantee you, the people that were wailing and crying and screaming death didn't stop 
when Jesus stepped onto the scene. Like, those voices aren't just going to go away. But they don't have any effect when the one voice that matters speaks and you actually respond in obedience. Let the weak say I'm strong. Come on. Like, just say it. Like, like, find a promise in the word over your life and then declare it. Like, don't, like, they're all already spoke. Like, like he's already said everything he's going to say through his word. You can open that thing up and you can find a promise of his. You can find a declaration about who you are. He said, you will be a special people, precious unto me. All of a sudden, you, you hear that word, and instead of listening and thinking that I am the forsaken, forgotten, condemned, I'm the, I'm the rebuked, I'm the this, that, all of a sudden, you, I'm the precious of the Lord. I'm set apart for him. Why? Because you're just speaking what he's already said. It's not, like, it's not denial. It's not delusion. It's saying if he said it, then no matter what I see in this moment, what he said is more true than what I see, what I feel, what I've experienced, what other people are saying. I'm going to let his word be the thing that I speak. Let the weak say I'm strong. You, know, you notice he says it to a bunch of people who most of them were not soldiers. Most of them aren't soldiers. Most of them are farmers. Most of them are, are plowers. Most of them are, are raisers of sheep and shepherds. Most of them are anything but soldiers. And probably most of them are anything but considering themselves to be mighty men. So God speaks. He says, gather the soldiers. Go get the mighty men. And then he realizes there's like 5% of Israel that will respond to that if they believe what they know. If they go on who they are apart from my word. So I'm going to speak a transformative word. I'm going to speak a transformative word, a word that transforms. I'm going to say, that was a plow. I want you to turn it into, I want you to transform it into a weapon of warfare. I'm going to say, you were a weak man. He says, let the weak. Like, he's not denying that they're weak. Like, he has no problem saying, this is who you are in this moment, but I'm speaking a transformative word. If you would actually believe it and begin to declare it about yourself, you would step from where you are into who I've said you are. Let the weak. Who does that land on? That lands on every single person because everybody considers themselves weak. Let the weak say, I'm a mighty man. Uh, that's a transformative word that I'm speaking. I'm telling you that there are times when he speaks these transformative words where he says, this is where you are. This is what you have. I'm speaking a word. If you will actually do what I've called you to do. Notice he didn't magically zap their plows and turn them into swords. See, that's what we're waiting for. We're waiting for that moment when we're plowing along and all of a sudden, you know, like, like the old cartoons where they're like zapping, it'd be like, and it would change into something else. Like we're waiting for that. We're walking along with our plow going, well, if he wants me to have a sword, obviously I'll have a sword. No, sometimes he says, no, you take that thing and you turn it into a sword. You do the work. And he said, beat the plowshares into, in other words, it's hard work sometimes to actually walk through the process of what he's called us into. But there's also grace on it. And there's a promise that if you will do that, I will take what you've done and do what you couldn't. And I'll transform that thing into something it never could have been. And suddenly what was a plow becomes a weapon of war in the hands of a mighty man rather than a plow in the hands of a weak. (laughs) 
You know, if, if God wants me to have a sword, I'll have a sword. No, sometimes he says, I want you to have a sword, and I want you to be the person that actually does it. There are times, right? Like, there was times where he took bread and just multiplied it. In those times, like, there was nothing the disciples could do unless there was, because he said, now you take the bread and begin to break and divide it among the people, and as they did, it began to multiply. How many times has he invited us into the transformation that he wants, and we're sitting there on the banks of the river waiting for him to do the thing that he's asked us to do? How many times do we just keep plowing, thinking, why would the Lord call me to, to destroy this? Listen, sometimes you have to destroy the thing you have to get the thing that he wants. Sometimes you do. Trusting what? That I'm not actually destroying it, I'm making it what it was always meant to be and what it needs to be in this season. Sometimes we're afraid to walk away from something because we think we're going to destroy it. And God's saying, yeah, it'll destroy that, but it'll actually change it into this. And this is what you need in this season, not that. I'm calling you to war. If you stay there, all you can do is farm. I don't know, yeah. Someone needs to hear that this morning. That thing that you're afraid of destroying is actually, you're not destroying it. You're just changing it from what it was to what it needs to be in this season so that it can accomplish what God wants it to accomplish because the time for plowing is over and the time for war has come. And I'm not, I'm not saying that like, like literally, like maybe he wants you to take that sword and turn it into a plow and become a gardener. Maybe you've thought that you were supposed to fight and, 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 and slice and dice and all that stuff, and he's saying, hey, would you take that thing and turn it into something that actually becomes something that provides for other people? Because just as easily as he told them to turn their plowshares, in, plowshares into swords, he could have told them to turn their, their plowshares into, or their, their swords into plowshares. <sighs> we got five minutes left. <laughs> He can. He can multiply it. <laughs> you know, this is honestly the things that were in my heart anyways. It was the second part of the message. It's just way better than what I had written down on paper, which I think was from him, but it's glory to glory, right? Strength to strength, faith to faith. Um, there, there was something actually that, that I wrote down, and and, and it, we were talking about when Jesus came onto the scene. Now, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll, I'll close up with this. He just left. He's going to come back up, right? <laughs> you had a three-minute break. I hope you got your coffee. <laughs> um, yeah, it's so good to be together. It is. Hey, real quickly, before I get to that point, who here helped with the Fall Fest? Would you stand up if you helped with the Fall Fest? Come on, stand up. Stand up. That was incredible. It was amazing. I came here last night, and, and um, I got here a little bit late, and, and when I walked up, there was just people everywhere having fun and eating and, and laughing and trying to ride the mechanical bull, and <laughs> I didn't ride it. Um, Jackson did twice, so I did through him. I videoed him doing it, but um, man, listen, there's so many amazing people in this church family. Like, seriously. And, and here's the thing. Like, just like Lazarus had a choice to come out of the grave, like, we have a choice to say, you know what, I'm going to build relationship because this is where I feel God's called me to be. Like, that's not like a, that's not a rebuke or a harsh thing. That's just saying, like, if I really feel like this is where God's called me to be, then I'm going to build relationship and this is going to be my family. And I'm not going to give up. 
That's all I have it. Because God hasn't called you here to live in isolation. He's called you into a family. And sometimes, yeah, listen, as family, it's our, it's our responsibility to welcome people in. That is for sure. But sometimes you got to be that dude that shows up at the family reunion and just decides, these people are going to love me, and I don't care what it takes. <laughs> I did that to Patty's family. I met her, and I'm like, they're going to love me, and I don't care what it takes. And I remember the first time we had dinner together, as a fam- uh, uh, I had dinner with their family. We went to a Chinese restaurant, and it, they, they order the same thing every... Like, if they say they want Chinese, they don't mean they want Chinese. They mean they want three specific things at Chinese restaurants. That's the way they are. Like, they, if they're going somewhere, it's for the... And I'm like, I want mugu gai pan, or, you know, I want some kung pao chicken. They're like, no, we get this, this, and this. <laughs> Mindy tells me, she says, there's a price to pay to join this family, and it ain't cheap. You've got to leave your kung pao at the door. But, but I, remember, I remember Larry the first time he, he, we were praying over the food, and he says, and thank you, Lord, for, for Roy as, uh, uh, blessing the, uh, paying for dinner in the prayer. And the second he got done, I was like, well, then Roy will also be ordering waters for everybody. And I'm just like, you know what? I don't care what it takes. I'm gonna, they're going to love me. I'm going to get to know them. And I'm going to, like, we need to be that way with each other, honestly. Because as the church grows, like, it gets harder and harder for all of us to know everyone, but it becomes so possible for everyone to know someone. And you need that. You need that. I just feel like, you know what? There, it's, there's such a flow. I just don't, I don't want to step out of it, so I'm not even going to go into that. That'll wait for next week. But listen, there are things that the Lord is speaking to every single person in this room. There's whether it's, it's a place of darkness, whether it's a place of plowing and it's time to pick up a sword, whether it's a place of feeling like you're less than what he said and he's calling you to declare who he says you are in every area. Like, don't let anybody rob you of the beauty of declaring his word over your life. Like, don't let anyone make you feel weird for the fact that you would declare something that doesn't seem true on the outside. Because I promise you, when the weak man said, I am strong, there was probably a bunch of people around him looking at him going, because he said, let the weak say it. Not let the strong say, I am strong. That's what we think. We think, well, once, he call it, once I'm strong, then I'll say that I'm strong. He says, no, you're weak, and the way you become strong is by declaring what I said, not what you feel. And I just feel like he's asking us to step into that to stop living apart from the words that proceed from his mouth in every single area of our lives. So, Father, would you just give us ears to hear? But, God, even more than just ears to hear, would you give us the grace when you say come and we look around and everything around us feels like we can't to take that first step and then to take the next one and then the next one, and then the next one. Father, would you order our steps? Would our steps be only because you've ordered them? God, let the weak say I'm strong. Let the addicted say I'm free. Let the bound say I'm loosed. Let the poor say I am rich. Let the angry say, I'm a person of love. Let those who feel unholy say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. 
God, would we live by the words that have proceeded from your mouth over our lives, not by the story that the world has tried to write. I'm going to read this over us real quick. My story begins and ends with the faithfulness of God. Along the way, there are all kinds of people that come and go, and they may add to my life and encourage me, or they may be an opportunity for me to manifest the grace that God so freely poured out on me when I was the enemy against him in my own mind. But good or bad, they're not my story. They're a detail, a brushstroke, a sentence, and a paragraph. My story, it begins and ends with him. Faith to faith, strength to strength, glory to glory. Father, thank you that you are our beginning, you're our middle, you're our end. In Jesus' name, amen.